0: Now here's your host, the master of relationship sales strategy himself, Dave Lorenzo. This is Do This Sell More Show, I'm Dave Lorenzo. And on today's episode, we are talking about leadership and the culture of your organization. That's right, I have an author of a hot new book for you on leadership and how you, as a leader, can have an impact on your entire organization through your behavior. My guest today is Jeff Grimshaw and he's the CEO of MG Strategy. He's worked with leaders for over 25 years and we are gonna pick his brain today on how leadership impacts the culture of your organization. And one of the things I find absolutely fascinating is that your behavior informs your culture. It informs the culture of your organization and we're gonna get into that in detail today. Let me tell you about Jeff. So Jeff has been doing this for over 25 years working with leaders of some of the finest organizations in the world. He's been published in Chief Executive Officer Magazine, Chief Learning Officer Magazine, Strategy and Leadership. Basically, he's done in-depth research on the topic of leadership for over 25 years. His new book is titled Five frequencies, leadership signals that turn culture into a competitive advantage. And let's face it, if you're watching us on YouTube or you're listening to this on the podcast, you want a competitive advantage. So spend the next 20 minutes with us talking about what you're doing in your organization, how it impacts the culture of your organization, and how you can improve as a leader. Join me now in welcoming Jeff Grimshaw to the show. Jeff, thanks for being with us, welcome. Uh, thank you so much, Dave. Thanks. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Very happy to be here. Okay, Jeff. So tell us. Tell us about the new book. This is your second book. What inspired you to write the book? And tell us about the the really the the reason behind you putting this twenty five years worth of experience onto paper.
1: Great. Well, the the main reason to write the book is because we found ourselves sitting on a big pile of data that we thought would be useful to a lot of people. Uh, the business that we do we spend most of our our, our day helping clients cl- measure and manage their culture so we help organizations figure out the deser- their desired state culture and in the culture that gives them a source of competitive advantage what do their people consistently know and understand you know what's in their heads what do they feel uh or believe in their hearts and then what do they do with their hands hearts minds and hands and we get help organizations get really clear on that desired state culture. Again, the culture that provides them a source of competitive advantage. And then we help them close the gap between the culture they have and the culture they need. And one thing that became very clear uh, some years ago was that the leaders who were really effective at, at closing the gap between current and desired state culture, producing the culture that gave them a source of competitive advantage, was that they were transmitting consistent and strong signals across what we call five frequencies. Leaders are sending these signals all the time, but the leaders who have great cultures are sending these signals very consistently, very deliberately, uh, and uh, again, just consistently over time. And that's how they get the culture that's a source of competitive advantage. So we wanted to share the good word.
0: Okay, Jeff, so I'm intrigued by the five frequencies. So do me a favor and help our audience describe what the five frequencies are. And then mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you which one is the one that, um, that, that really gets me excited. And maybe we can talk a little bit more about that. Describe okay. the five yeah. frequencies for us uh, right now.
1: If you lead people, you are creating culture with the signals that you broadcast on five frequencies. Your, one is your decisions and actions. Number two is what are you rewarding and recognizing? Number three is what you tolerate or don't tolerate. Number four is how you show up informally. and then number five is formal communication. And lots of organizations uh, people think, okay, well we want a little bit different culture. We're going to you know throw up some posters on the wall or or put out a, push out a new screensaver to our Salesforce or whatever it is. But the reality is, is that the fifth frequency, formal communication is probably the least powerful. The Again, the leaders who are, uh, are turning culture into a source of competitive advantage across all those five things are sending consistent, deliberate messages over the long run.
0: Okay, so uh, I wanna talk about two things that are really important to the folks who are listening today and watching on, on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. The first thing is rewards and recognition. When you have an entrepreneurial business, like most of the folks who are listening or watching, or when you're the leader of a sales organization, rewards and recognition are something that's kind of weaved into pretty much everything you do. Tell me about what, what did you find with rewards and recognition? What helps build a strong culture related to rewards and recognition? Well, number one is you've got to, you know,
1: th- this sounds really dumb, really simple, but you got to reward what you want to see more of uh there's a guy named um uh, i'm blanking on his name so i'll tell you later there was a guy stephen kerr who was a management professor in the 70s he wrote a he he wrote a famous paper on the folly of hoping for a while rewarding b and the guy became famous and they and he became so famous that he ultimately became a senior advisor at goldman sachs but the whole point And I'll tell you about that in a second, but the whole point was that we have misaligned reward systems in so many organizations where we hope that people will do one thing. We hope that people will be uh, good team members. We hope that people will collaborate. But what we really just pay them for is individual effort. Or we hope that people will raise their voices and be good problem solvers and help us innovate but the people we really ward are mostly the people who never annoy us by keeping their mouth shut. So this guy, Stephen Kerr, you know, from the 1970s made a name for himself by pointing out how often we have misaligned reward systems. He actually was a senior advisor at Goldman Sachs at the same time that misaligned reward systems at Goldman Sachs helped contribute along with misaligned reward systems across wall street contributed to the financial crisis. 12 years ago, and, and Goldman Sachs, when they were paying back their $10 billion government bailout said, we screwed up, like everybody else on Wall Street, we screwed up our compensation systems. We were hoping for to incentivize long-term stability, but what we paid, incentivized people for were doing stuff that actually only paid off in the short run. And I tell you that story not because that has immediate relevance to most of the people listening, except to illustrate how hard it is to live that principle. The guy who actually coined the phrase couldn't actually pull it off. And and it's a problem that you see in almost every team. We say we want to reward one thing, but that's not exactly the thing that we're actually incentivizing.
0: Okay, so Jeff, let me let me uh, drill down on this a little bit. Should we be rewarding the end result, or should we be rewarding the behavior that gets us to the end result?
1: Yeah, I think it all depends on what on what you're really looking for. But for you know, for most organizations, most sales organizations, if if what you really want is the end result, then part of what we've got to uh, then then we've got to align the re- the reward system with the the behavior and the outcomes that we're looking for. But the problem with the problem with having it focus only on results is that uh, you can have people who get results the wrong way. So uh, unfortunately, I don't have a a simple solution. The only point being that if you don't like the results you're getting, then you got to step back and say, okay, so what is our reward system actually rewarding? What are we incentivizing? And if we say that that's not exactly what we want, then we need to look for some tweaks to it.
0: Okay, terrific. Now let's talk a little bit about the the behavior and the reward system and how it uh, is weaved into the fabric that creates the culture. And right. give me help me with the concept that that, that you described that it's uh, I, I mean I'm, I'm, I hope I'm characterizing this right that it's binary right it's either it's either growing and improving or it's decaying and it's becoming weaker so talk to me about how the reward system helps to be the be kind of the connective tissue to keep that fabric together yeah I mean we have seen this time after time is that there are.
1: Not a lot of cultures that have only a neutral influence on business results. In most organizations, you can identify pretty quickly that the culture is either an asset, uh, it is helping to drive performance, it is helping to retain and motivate A players, or it's doing the opposite. Rarely is the culture a neutral factor. So you got to declare for it. I mean, either it's something you're going to care about and cultivate uh, or it's not. One of the other things that's become really clear in the last 10 or 15 years through uh, neuroscience and behavioral economics is that uh, human beings are emotional creatures that, in fact, you know, uh, uh, Daniel Kahneman, who won the Nobel Prize for economics in 2002, was a guy who actually never took an economics course in his life. He had a psychology background. And he sort of turned the field of economics on its ear by pointing out that we don't make any decisions. We, we, we make very few uh, decisions as human beings that are not uh, where our, our uh, calculations uh, for what counts as our best interest are not run through emotional algorithms. In other words, we use emotional algorithms to decide uh, what we want to do. So part of the practical takeaway is that you've got to take into account the emotional rewards that you're providing people. Money's really important, money's really important for everybody. But in great cultures, money's not the only thing. The part of what we are managing for our performers is their emotional experience because what Daniel Kahneman found is that if you're not managing the emotional experience, you are not, you're not managing incentives for human beings in the way that incentives are actually mentally processed.
0: All right, so I wanna make sure that I understand and I wanna make sure that, uh, that the message comes through loud and clear as long as I have it correct. So in a, in a sales organization, in an organization that is in growth mode, in an organization that rewards growth, not only is the financial compensation important, but bringing the person who's number one for the month up in the front of the room, Shaking their hand in front of their peers, patting them on the back, and asking them to describe what they did to get there is probably just as important, if not more important, than the money they get in their paycheck. Is that, if I'm if I'm understanding that correctly, is that what uh, is that is that what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That in terms of uh, that that you get double value there. That that you've incented the organization, but you've also created this sense of, uh, you know, human beings are comparative animals. That's one of the other things that Daniel Kahneman found. We're constantly comparing ourselves to others. And so uh, so bringing up the person who killed it last month and then also using that as an opportunity to learn from that uh, creates an emotional environment that motivates people uh, to keep pushing. Now, the challenge is, because human beings are also highly attuned to comparison, that also means that as a, a sales leader, you have to be really conscious of perceived inequities. You have to make sure that, uh, that you're not playing favorites. You have to make sure that uh, you're being as objective as possible, because when people believe that they're doing the same amount of things, producing the same amount of results, but other people are somehow getting more rewarded for that. It just goes back to our human wiring. We are so attuned to that. It, it it freaks people out. That is part of what it means to lead human beings.
0: All right, now you've hit on a nerve here, I think for everybody who's ever managed people, forget about being in a sales organization right. with everybody who's ever managed people. And the key word in, in, the, in the statement you just made is perceived inequities, right? So what can we do as leaders, as business owners, or as sales leaders, what can we do to make sure that we've demonstrated that the process is fair, that it's, that it's not rigged? How, do, how, how can we influence that perception? Yeah, I, I think
1: there's only really one uh, or two good ideas here, at least that I'm aware of. And one is to be as transparent as possible. So sometimes, um, uh, so the more open you can be. Sometimes people won't like the decisions, but you know, one of the other things that drives human beings crazy is if they feel like they can't get an answer. We are human. We are we are uncertainty reducing animals. We want to reduce our uncertainty. So when people feel like the calculations for what is rewarded happen in a black box to which they don't have access, that's going to be crazy making. Uh, for people. So the more transparency, uh, uh, the better. And then of course, you actually act, have to be consistent yourself and um, uh, make sure that there are not any uh, reward decisions you're making that you can't justify uh, to everybody.
0: All right, that is fantastic advice and that's great. That's one of the five frequencies, recognition and reward. We're talking to Jeff Grimshaw. He's the CEO of MG Strategy. He's got a brand new book out, Five frequencies, leadership signals that turn culture into a competitive advantage. And that's what our show is all about. It's about giving you a competitive advantage. Do me a favor, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button, ring the notification bell. And the reason I want you to do that is because my daily show called, surprisingly, the Dave Lorenzo Daily issues a new episode every day, every day at 5 p.m. I don't want you to miss it. So make sure that you hit the subscribe button and ring the notification bell so that you get notifications when new show goes up every day. This show, the Do This Sell More show comes to you every week, every Thursday, and we publish a new episode every Thursday. It goes live on the podcast at noon and the video goes up at 6 p.m. You don't wanna miss a single episode because today we've got Jeff Grimshaw, the CEO of MG Strategy with us and next week there's no telling who will be with us. All right, so Jeff, let's talk now about communication and yeah. you you dedicate two of the five frequencies to communication. There's informal and formal. Um, tell me about the difference between informal and formal and then let's talk a little bit about each. Yeah, so
1: formal communication is really the kind of stuff uh, we're talking about that involves um, uh, communication support or technology. In other words, if you're walking around with a PowerPoint deck or you're putting it on a poster that's that's formal communication. If you're giving a speech, leading a town hall, that you're you know working from pre-printed talking points, that's formal communication. What we mean by informal communication are the times that you spend in unscripted settings. Doesn't mean that you haven't walked into these conversations with purpose, but they really are conversations. And it's really about how you show up, and in fact, whether you show up, that it has just a huge impact on culture and typically Significantly more of an impact on culture than anything you're doing in the way of formal communication.
0: Okay. Now, how much formal communication should uh, should go out in any in any given organization? How much formal communication do we need? Uh, whatever you put out should be uh, should only amplify whatever it
1: is that you are very consciously broadcasting on the other four frequencies. Your decisions and actions, what you're rewarding, recognizing what you tolerate or don't. And then through your informal communication, anything that you put out on formal communication through that fifth frequency that isn't amplifying the other four frequencies is either going to be ignored or it's just going to be ridiculed because people will see how it's disconnected or divorced from the, the cultural reality that you're creating through the other four frequencies. So uh, I'm not telling you to spend less money or time on formal communication, but maybe you should. And and if you know if without knowing any context, if somebody said, should I spend half as much time on uh, formal communication and then channel that energy and those resources into the other four frequencies? I'd say uh, yeah. Without knowing anything else, uh, I'd say that's probably a pretty good wager.
0: Yeah, that is that's completely in alignment with what I what I talk with clients about. Uh, my feeling is this. You, uh, and you just validated it for me. Your formal communication is simply an opportunity for, uh, for you to make a mistake unless you're a great communicator. So if you wanna have a monthly meeting, make it as brief a monthly meeting as possible, get your message aligned with everything else that's going on in your business, rehearse the message that you're going to deliver and let people get back out and do what they do best because you're, the opportunity that you're in front of them is an opportunity for what we talked about in the first place, recognition and, uh, and you know, rewarding employees, uh, describing really effective behavior and helping them see that behavior so they can model it, and then sharing any new updates. Um, you know, it's an opportunity to be transparent, but if you're hoping to deliver some sort of groundbreaking, earth-shattering new message, you're, you're really betting heavily on an opportunity that's probably not going to deliver what you, what you want it to deliver. So I, I'm with you that minimizing that, uh, that time that people are investing in that formal communication is probably best and it serves only to reinforce what you're already doing. Right. All right. So let's talk about let's talk about what I really love uh, from from the five frequencies, and that's how the informal communication has a tremendous impact on the culture. Tell us tell us about the informal communication and the impact it has on the culture.
1: You know, a, a mentor of mine, a guy named Greg Barron has this phrase, and the and the phrase is everything that happens in an organization happens in or because of a conversation, and and that applies to a lot of things. I mean. It also applies to making a sale. You know, Typically, anything that happens in a sale happens in or because of a conversation. It applies to your family. Anything that happens in your family happens in or because of a conversation. In your organization, in your team, it's certainly true. Everything that happens, uh, it, it, it happens in or because of a conversation. So if you want to make things different, if you want to have a competitive advantage, if you want to do anything differently, any different results, You got to say, okay, well, if everything happens in or because of a conversation, how do I change the conversation? And what does that mean in terms of how I show up uh, informally in unscripted settings? And and in a lot of cases, that starts with just showing up, period. You know, what does it mean to show up for your people? What does it mean to um, figure out how to have the conversations with them that are meaningful, but actually don't take up a ton of time? And what does it mean to show up in a way where you're just as focused on listening to what's going on for them as you are about telling them the 17 things that you've been compiling on your list. So there's a lot to it, but that's a big, big part of it is showing up and being in a mode where you are listening as much as you're talking.
0: So Jeff, let's talk about behavior and let's talk about how what I do when I'm walking around as a sales leader, or what I do when I'm hanging out with my team uh, at the water cooler, or just standing around the office talking about how the day is going to go. Let's talk about how that behavior is important for uh, for the for the culture, and is that reinforcement, or am I breaking new ground there? Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I think, just going
1: back to the way the human brain works, we are, evolutionary biologists believe that we are constantly filtering for who's in our tribe and who's outside of our tribe, and that we have more trust for people who are in our tribe. We can let down our defenses. And that's actually really good for people to let down their defenses and feel vulnerable, be willing to be vulnerable because we only learn, we only get better, we can only figure out ways to get smarter and develop more of a competitive advantage if we are willing to feel a little bit vulnerable if we trust the people we are around with them. But getting people to trust you, getting the people to, to believe that you are in tribe with them, if you will, doesn't necessarily mean that you just hang out with them and tell dirty jokes and, you know, and talk about drinking, although I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that that's verboten or anything. But it is really more about being in a mode of operation where people go, you know what, if I made a mistake, I can talk to my boss about it. If something didn't go right or I got an idea, I can speak up and suggest it. And, you know, and he's not going to take me out of the knees because he gets defensive about it. Um, Those are really the kinds of conversations where people can feel like we are an organization, we're a culture where we reserve the right to get smarter. We're an organization where we treat mistakes as intellectual capital. We are an organization where when something goes bad, we don't look for who to blame, but we look for what's wrong with the process that we can fix. Those are the kinds of, if you can lead those kind of conversations, that will fast track you to a place where people feel like you are in tribe, they can trust you, and you can turn that trust into Uh, into ideas and speed to produce competitive advantage.
0: Something really important that I wanna highlight with what you said there, you said when something goes wrong, we look for the flaw in the process and we look to fix the process rather than to lay blame at the feet of the individual. And I I think, I, I love that concept and I love the idea of starting an analysis with uh, let's look at the process, and let's see if the process if the process had a breakdown somewhere, let's see if we need to improve the process, and what that does for you as the leader of a business, what that does for you as somebody who's trying to move a team forward, is it says, okay, first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna look at the process, and when we check out the process, if the process checks out 100% and it worked really well, you turn to the other person and you say, where do you think we could have done better here? That, doesn't, that leaves them no place else to go, but with their own performance generally. Right. So right. It, takes, it takes the accountability and it puts it squarely where it belongs and it allows them, they can't improve until they realize where the mistake was made. Uh, is that, am I getting that right, Jeff? Yeah, but I, yes, um, I, uh,
1: there's an acronym and it stands for Don't Ask Who, Ask Why. And I got this from Jack Brennan, the CEO of Vanguard, a number of years ago. And his whole point was if you you point a finger at people and you say, uh, uh, you screwed up, or even tell me why you screwed up, people get defensive. And then because humans are really defensive, we wouldn't have survived as a species if we weren't really good at defensive. It pushes people into excuse-making mode. But if you say, if you don't say who screwed this up, but you say, why did we screw this up? It creates a mindset where people are more likely that instead of pointing fingers at one another and making excuses are actually gonna work on
0: fixing the process and solving the problem. Okay, that's great. I appreciate that, thanks. So Jeff, tell me a little bit now about, um, and for the folks who are listening for their benefit, for my benefit, tell me the difference between Leadership and management, because so often I hear people use these terms interchangeably and they're not. So what's the difference between leadership and management? Yeah, well, I think you lead people and I think you manage systems and processes.
1: And I think one of the, you know, uh, leadership is in, in, in my definition, it's about working with and through others to get things done. And I know that one of the challenges for people who, you know, sometimes organizations, as, as, as you said to me, as you've observed to me, Dave, is that people take the top producer and make them the, the lead of the sales organization. And sometimes that has mixed results. Re- real quick story that I, I use a lot. It has a lot of application. There's, a, there's a, a traveler on an important journey. And he comes to a raging river. And he says, there's no way to get across this raging river. And then he sees a raft, a rickety old raft over in the brush. And he says, I don't have any choice. I got to continue on my journey. So he takes the this, pulls out this raft and shoves it in the water. And, you know, sketchy, but unbelievably, the, the rickety raft helps him get to the other side. And he says, on this important journey, who knows when I'm going to come to another raging river. So he throws this huge old raft on his back and continues on the journey. And he comes across other travelers. They're like, dude, what's up with the raft? He's like, you don't understand. If it wasn't for this raft, I wouldn't be where I am today. I can't put down the raft. And he's right. He literally would not be where he is today if it wasn't for the raft. And the other thing that's true is he's not getting to where he's going unless he puts down the damn raft. The reason I tell the story in this context is because a lot of us are carrying rafts. And maybe there are things, maybe there are plays that we run, maybe there are parts of our success formula in the role that we last occupied. And they are rafts because we literally would not be where we are today if we had not picked up that raft somewhere on the journey. And the reality is, you're not gonna get to where you
0: need to be as a leader until you put down the damn raft. I love it, that is, thank you for telling that story. That's perfect, that is the perfect way for us to round out our conversation today. The habits that you have and the culture that you have that got you to where you are today may not be the habits and the practices and the culture of the organization that you need to get you where you're going tomorrow. We've been speaking with Jeff Grimshaw. He's the CEO of MG Strategy. Uh, Jeff, how can we find more from you? Where can we, first of all, I know we can get the book on Amazon. I'm gonna put a copy of the link for the book uh, on Amazon in the description on YouTube and in the podcast description, but where can people go to get more from you on a regular basis? Tell us what your website is and how they can get in touch with you.
1: Yeah, the website for the book is fivefrequencies.com. You can either use the number five or you can spell it out, fivefrequencies.com. And when you're there, uh, you can download a, uh, you can download for free the, uh, the book's introductions so you can check it out and see if it's of interest to you before you order the whole thing. Uh, There's also a discussion guide. Lots of people are using this book as uh, in uh, 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 book clubs, in business book clubs. And uh, so there's a discussion guide to help you get maximum value from it.
0: Wonderful, so go to fivefrequencies.com, is that right? Yep, yep. Fivefrequencies.com, either the the number or you can spell it out, fivefrequencies.com. That's where you can get the introduction and download the discussion guide. I love the fact that it has a discussion guide. Could this guy have made your job any easier? The information is right there. Buy 20 copies of the book, give it to all your managers, go download the discussion guide from the website. I'm telling you, this type of resource will help you, not just today, but it'll pay big dividends for you throughout your career. So pick up a copy of the book, do yourself a favor, and go to the website, uh, fivefrequencies.com, download the discussion guide, use it with your people. The information that we've shared just in the last 30 minutes alone will help you not only build a stronger culture, but it can help you lead your team to greater results. And if you make 1% improvement each day, this is the old Alan Weiss axiom. Alan Weiss is a mentor of mine. If you make 1% improvement each day in 70 days, you've doubled your productivity, you've doubled your knowledge, you've doubled your learning. Jeff, it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you with us. Thanks so much for joining us today. Dave, thanks for having me on. All right, folks, that'll do it for another edition of the Do This Sell More Show. We are back here every week, every week. You can download the podcast at noon on Thursdays, and you can watch another interview beginning at 6 p.m. every Thursday on the Dave Lorenzo YouTube channel. Until next week, I'm Dave Lorenzo, and here's hoping you do this and sell more. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Give us your feedback on each episode and get access to our free sales training course at dothissellmore.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Do This Sell More.